0: Hey, welcome. Thank you for checking out this channel. You have stumbled across Stories After Midnight. The series we will be starting today is called I'm the owner of a small diner in the middle of nowhere, and I like to give travelers who come in a discount, provided they tell me a story about their lives. Over the last decade, I've heard some really terrifying things. I appreciate you checking it out. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it. Hey there strangers. My name is Ali May. I'm the owner of a small diner tucked away in a town somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. The diner doesn't really get much action aside from townsfolk and the occasional out-of-towner passing through and looking for a hot meal. And when those folk happen to come by, I like to introduce myself, bring them their food, and then sit down with them and explain a little game I like to play to pass the time out here. For some context. I inherited this diner from my parents, and have spent practically my whole life in this town, aside from the rare trips to nearby events, markets, state fairs, etc. And those are really only reserved for special occasions. And I don't mind that. I enjoy the peace and quiet that comes with my lifestyle. And I can't deny that as far as lives go, I happen to have myself a pretty good one. I have wonderful friends, the sweetest husband, and a beautiful baby girl named Kate. But as nice as my life is to me, I can't deny that it's also real slow. Not many big things happen to me, if y'all understand what I'm saying. And so, whenever an unknown face walks into my diner, I ask them if they have any stories to tell me. And if they do, I'm always more than happy to give them a discount on their meal. I've been doing this since I was 22, so about 10 years now. Okay, so I'm going to admit something a bit embarrassing to y'all. The reason I had when I first started to do this was that I had recently found out about the notion of cryptids, and I thought the concept was pretty damn cool. More specifically, I thought people viewing me as a cryptid would be pretty damn cool. You know, some girl in some diner in the middle of nowhere that you end up spilling your darkest secrets to and then never see again? Wouldn't that be a kind of neat way to be perceived? Well, my spooky little young adult self thought so, and that's where it all began. Normally, people are quite hesitant to talk at first. However, they tend to warm up to the idea after I remind them, not only will we likely never cross paths again, but I don't care about what kind of story they tell me. Whatever they feel like talking about, I'll listen to. I just want a break from the monotony of a small-town life. And boy, have I heard it all. Love affairs, childhood traumas, bat-crap deathbed confessions heard by nurses. The story of a very intoxicating and very hush-hush two-month relationship a customer had with another woman in college before she tragically passed in an accident that she's never told a soul about since. Especially not her very Catholic, now-husband. But besides all that jazz, there's one type of story I keep being told. Horror. Now I get why this is. Ghost stories, supernatural stuff, whatever you want to call it. That's the kind of thing people are hesitant to talk about. And in my opinion, half of it is because that's the kind of thing people are hesitant to believe. But who cares if you tell it to me? You're not going to see me again. So what's the harm in finally telling someone? It even wouldn't matter if I didn't believe them. They'd still get the discount. But I do believe the stories people tell me. It's something in their eyes, I think. When I look into them, I can see they're being haunted by something awful. And I think it helps them to talk about it, to leave here with the knowledge they're not carrying that burden alone. And carrying it with them is something I'm thankful I get to do. I listen to their stories, bring them sweet tea and dessert to cheer them up afterwards. I'll hold their hands if they'll let me, just generally try to help them. It's one small way I can make an impact on some people who are really hurting being the kind stranger they can confide in, knowing that they'll be believed. But anyways, I've told my husband some of these stories over the years, and he recently started browsing the subreddit and mentioned to me that I should think about sharing some of them with y'all. And so, here I am, sitting in my comfy chair after my baby girl finally fell asleep with my laptop and my absolutely darling cat, Cinnamon. I really do hope you guys enjoy the story I decided to share today, and I'll probably post some more soon. It was about five years ago now, I think this happened sometime in early July, so it was just after my 27th birthday. A young woman stumbled into the diner. I'd guess she was maybe a few years younger than I was, 23 maybe? Well, the poor thing looked like she hadn't properly slept in weeks, with eye bags so dark I had to take a moment to figure out if they were actually black eyes, she sat down at a booth and I came over to pour her some coffee, which she gratefully accepted. I took her order, waffles with powdered sugar and a side of mixed fruit, and moved to sit down across from her. Instead of asking if she had stories to tell, I decided to ask her if she was alright as the way her eyes shifted around the room, and the way her hands trembled so violently as she tried to use the cutlery, made me nervous that she was in some sort of danger. She looked at me and her eyes began to water, and in the softest voice you could ever imagine, she just told me that I wouldn't believe her. It was here where I explained some of the parts of my game, focusing on the fact that there's really no harm from talking about it if she wanted to. Our paths would probably never cross again. I remember the way she looked down at the table, as her hands moved to scratch quite violently at the skin on her arms, which were just covered in long red marks already. My heart absolutely ached at the sight, but I decided not to say anything for the time being, though it took everything in me not to reach over and take her hands away and hold them myself. Finally she sighed and met my gaze as she nodded ever so slightly at me. She told me she had a stalker and not one she thought was human. The first time she saw him was a few months prior when she was walking to her dorm alone one night, back when she lived right by the Appalachian Mountains. She had gone out with some friends and didn't realize how late it had gotten, and by the time she had started to make her way home, it was nearly two in the morning. The fastest way to get home meant she had to use a small path that cut through the woods, and she told me she was too worried about the big test she had to get home to study for to really think about the dangers of walking through there at night. As she walked she said she got that awful feeling that she was being watched and out of nowhere she was hit with this horrific wave of anxiety that her heart began to race like a scampering jackrabbit and she broke into a cold sweat and then she noticed it watching her through the tree line. It was tall and vaguely man-shaped although she said she would hesitate to call it that and by tall she meant inhumanly tall roughly seven feet or so by her guess. Its skin was a sickly pale and its eyes were bloodshot, accompanied by an impossibly wide grin that revealed way too many horribly stained teeth. From what she could see, the thing was completely hairless and was dressed in camouflage-type clothing, the kind that hunters in the military wear. She said that she froze up when she saw it, staring at the thing in absolute horror, and it just stayed there, smiling at her. Eventually she snapped out of it and bolted, Yet the thing made no move to follow her. All it did was turn to face her and continued to smile as she ran off. She told me that when she got back to her dorm, she just got this sudden urge that she was going to be sick. And this was super weird, since the girl had only thrown up twice in her life. Once when she got a really bad case of the flu when she was 10, and once when she got a little too drunk at a party in high school. Yet she had spent the next 10 minutes throwing up everything in her stomach, and the next 20 dry heaving over the toilet. Her roommate had rushed in to find her covered in sweat and violently sobbing as she puked her guts out for no apparent reason. She tried to tell her about the thing that she saw in the woods, but her roommate had told her that she was probably just sick with something and her mind was playing tricks on her. She said that night she had supposedly had these beyond horrible nightmares and her roommate told her the next morning she had woken up screaming four separate times. That was her first encounter with the thing, but it certainly wasn't the last. At this point she had begun hyperventilating. Tears ran down her cheeks and a strangled cry wrenched itself from her throat. I quickly ran over to the counter to get her some napkins and a glass of water, before I finally gave in and grasped her shaking hands and held them tightly. I had asked her if she wanted to stop, but she just shook her head, and so I held her hands and waited for her to continue with her story. She said she realized pretty quickly that whatever it was came with the night. At first, she genuinely had just believed she had come down with some kind of awful virus, but when she woke up the next morning, shaken and exhausted, but by all other means healthy, she was very confused, but didn't really know what else to do, then, email her professor to explain her situation, and sit on her couch and watch episodes of her favorite show while she apparently clung on to her roommate for dear life. That was until nightfall came around and she saw the thing again. And this time it was watching her from her living room window. Instead of freezing up again, she just started to scream. And when her roommate rushed over to see what was wrong, she looked out the window and went pale as a ghost. She asked her roommate if she was seeing it too and she just nodded before dragging her out of sight from the thing's view and calling the cops. Her symptoms immediately came back. The vomiting, the panic attack-like behavior, the sweating. All of it just like the night before. For some reason, though, her roommate was completely unaffected. Shaken, sure, but no sickness, no nightmares, nothing. Just like the few other people after that who saw it when they were with her. Although nobody ever saw it without her. And then the police showed up and things got even worse. They couldn't brush off her concerns, even in the state she was in. Her perfectly healthy roommate had seen it too, and so they began to look into things. And what they found was absolutely nothing. The thing couldn't be seen on the security camera footage right beside where it had been standing. They couldn't find a record of any person matching its description in their databases. No matter how many times she called over the next three months, No matter the situation, no matter if there was another person there who insisted they saw it too, they couldn't find any evidence of it being there, or any record of its existence. She went to a psychiatrist who determined she didn't seem to be suffering from any sort of psychotic disorder, and other doctors at the hospital ran every test they could possibly do to explain her symptoms. Head CT scans, MRIs, they all came back totally clean. She had no head trauma, tumors, any type of head injury that could be causing hallucinations. Her blood tests showed there was no autoimmune disease that could explain the symptoms. She did gastric emptying scans and other similar tests, which eventually confirmed there was no disorder that could explain the vomiting. The symptoms never happened during the day, during testing, or in any other situation. She never got sick, had any other type of nightmare or, or hallucination. She just kept seeing whatever the hell that thing was and getting violently ill. Eventually, she decided to just try her best to stay inside after dark, which worked for a while until the night where everything went very wrong. She had gone to a local cafe to get some homework done and accidentally fell asleep at her computer and had woken up to one of the waitresses gently shaking her awake and telling her it was closing time. Their closing time was 10 p.m., The sun had set over an hour ago. Her hands started to shake more violently than they already were, which I didn't even think was possible. She choked back another sob before she continued to speak. She dug through her backpack to find her pocket knife and tucked it into her jacket sleeve before she began to brave her way through the darkness back to her house. The cafe was only a ten-minute walk with the shortcut, twenty if she stayed on the streets. She considered her options for a moment, trying to figure out which was more dangerous. She eventually decided that while the streets would take longer, they were better late, and maybe still had some people out. It wasn't that late, but this wasn't exactly a college town either. There wasn't exactly a nightlife besides one or two bars. Odds were that she could make the whole trip and run into less than a dozen people. She had made it ten minutes before she got the feeling that she got on the path again, the unmistakable feeling of being watched, coupled with cold sweats and horrible anxiety. She slipped her knife out of her jacket and into her hand, and held it out in front of her as her gaze shifted to the nearby alleyway. And there it was, tall and pale as death, with the same bloodshot eyes and smile with too many teeth, and that same camouflage outfit it always seemed to wear only this time it also held something else a bouquet of wilted flowers as the thing held them out to her she turned and bolted down the street all thought of defending herself from that thing long forgotten this time though it dropped the flowers and took off after her and this was the first time she realized just how fast it actually was she told me she had always been a good runner She did track in high school and even made the state finals, and this was, without a doubt, the fastest she'd ever run in her life. But this thing somehow caught up to her in a matter of seconds, and it reached out and grabbed her shoulder. At this, she took her hands away from mine and pulled down one of the sleeves of her yellow woolen cardigan, revealing her bare shoulder and my breath caught in my throat. On her shoulder was a large scar resembling the shape of a hand palm on the shoulder itself, the outline of long fingers marking the top of her arm. My first thought was about the time I was 17 years old and saw a story about a woman who had acid thrown on her face on TV. It looked almost like that, but if a person with even humanely long hands somehow managed to cover their own hand in acid without injuring themselves and gripped her shoulder as hard as they possibly could, or maybe like a third degree burn in the shape of a hand, like if it was uh, from a person who was made of pure fire. She sniffled softly, which pulled me out of my thoughts. In a whispered voice, she told me that the doctor said whatever burned her ate away the fat and a good portion of muscle in that shoulder. She can barely lift that arm now. As the tears ran down her face, she talked about how the pain she felt in that moment was like nothing else she'd ever felt before. She couldn't even describe it. She remembered collapsing to the ground screaming bloody murder, and right before she blacked out, she said she saw the thing lean over her, and with that horrible smile still on its face, it hissed out one word to her soon. She woke up in the hospital two days later. Even after the wound healed, the pain never stopped, never got better. And that was it. That was the final straw for her. She withdrew from college packed up her things, and moved states to live with her parents again. And for one week, things seemed to be okay. She thought maybe, maybe it didn't follow her here, until a bouquet of the same wilted flowers and an empty chocolate box, stuffed to the brim with bloody human teeth and fingernails, appeared on her parents' doorstep. It got closer after that, more and more cocky until the night where it actually knocked on her window, banging on the glass with an almost maniacal frenzy, until the police arrived. By that point, of course, there was nothing there. Not a trace. Since then, she's just been driving around the country. Her parents have been sending her money for food and motels. She figured that if it took a week to get from her old town to her parents' house and only seemed to come out at night, then maybe she could keep ahead of it if she just kept moving. After a moment of stunned silence, I asked if I could hug her and rushed over to pull the shaking girl into my arms as soon as I got a nod of approval. I spent the next half hour gently stroking her hair as she sobbed into my shirt. I wanted to help this poor girl so badly, but deep down we both knew there was nothing I could actually do to keep her safe. But I told her the meal was on me, and I took her back to my house. It was still light out after all, so I figured it was safe. I let her take a long shower and helped bandage up her arms, made her dinner and introduced her to my cat. And then I cut up some fruit and placed it in Tupperware containers along with some cookies and gave her directions to the nearest motel. I still think about that girl all the time. It's been half a decade and I haven't heard anything about her since. I don't know if she was killed by that thing or if she managed to outrun it, but I still pray every single night that one of these days... She'll walk back into my diner and tell me the story of how she defeated that monster over more waffles covered with way too much powdered sugar and a side of fruit. I really hope you enjoyed that story. Um, Part one of what looks like maybe three. Could be more, depending on if more get released. But I hope you enjoyed it. And if you're on YouTube, please consider liking the video so YouTube knows it's not dog water. If you're on uh, listening to the podcast, well, that's cool too. I thank you for listening. I really appreciate all of you who take the time to really listen to these stories. I do my best with narrating and uh, making them entertaining for you. I I I know you all appreciate it. You tell me all the time. Uh, If you'd like to do more than than just liking the video, subscribing, or commenting, there is a Patreon or joining the channel as a member. I don't have many perks other than my. My sincere thank you. But uh, either way, I just thank you for watching. And I hope to see you in my Discord, or on Twitter, or at the very least, in the comments. Thank you for watching. I appreciate you. Have a good day, and we'll see you in the next one.